glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Stand if you would. Genesis 24, begin reading in verse 1. Genesis 24, verse 1. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me. I've underlined that in my Bible. Unto this land, must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land, he shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath, only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and sware to him concerning that matter. And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed, for all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water and let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink and she shall say, drink and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. And it came to pass, before he had done speaking, that, behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw, also, draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again unto the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. And the man wandering at her held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass as the camels had done drinking that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels weight of gold and said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare in the Nahor. She said moreover unto him, We have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house these things. We'll stop reading there for now. Thank you. you may be seated. We'll need to read more in the chapter. And 
You can pray for me to stay on point. There are so many different lessons in this chapter today that would like to try to stay focused, as I said before, on the relationship between this servant and Rebecca. And I believe if you'd turn in your Bibles after you see seated there, John chapter 16, verses 13 through 15, we're going to see the ministry of the Holy Spirit as outlined by the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know any person of the Godhead probably more misunderstood or misrepresented than the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, we dare not ever avoid the truth of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. He is one of three persons of the Godhead. He is not a force. He is not um, an inanimate object. He is a person. He is the representative of God working on earth today. You primarily see in the Old Testament God the Father at work among men. That's primarily what you see in the Old Testament under the law. God the Father establishing law. God the Father demonstrating His power, His might, His righteousness, even His mercy and His grace. When the New Testament comes and the Lord Jesus comes on the scene, you primarily see God the Son at work during His time on earth. When He walked the earth in the form of man, died for our sins, of course, after living a sinless life, raised from the dead, upon Jesus' departure to heaven, His ascension to heaven, He promised to give the Holy Spirit. And since that day, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit of God was poured out and men were able to speak in tongues. And what that means is they were able to speak in known languages that they did not personally already know. Languages that could be understood by others, but they had never previously learned. They were gifted to speak in foreign tongues without having learned them through traditional means. And men heard them speak the, the wonderful things of God in their own tongue and many got saved. Since that point, the primary... Person, the primary working on earth with men is through the person of the Holy Spirit of God. It is not God manifest in human form. That's God the Son. It is not God manifesting Himself through mighty powers and wars. That's God the Father. It is God manifesting Himself through convincing men of their sin, of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, of the judgment of come through the preaching of the gospel. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. When men get filled with the Holy Spirit, they get bold in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit never preaches about himself. He preaches and lifts up the person of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying we don't have instruction about him. We're looking at that this morning. But his job is not to draw emphasis upon himself, even as in this story in Genesis 24, the, name, the work of the servant, we can assume it was Eliezer, Abraham's servant, but his name is never given. He's just the servant. The father commissions him to go find a bride for the son, which is exactly what the Holy Spirit of God is doing on earth today, gathering together a bride for the Lord Jesus Christ. When the trumpet sounds, it'll be the biggest church service you've ever been part of. By the way, a church is an assembly. As long as it's as it is today, churches are local because we can only assemble locally. It, when the trumpet sounds, we'll all be assembled in one place at one time, and that's in the clouds with our Savior and that will be the finished work of the Holy Spirit of God. And we will be presented to the Lord Jesus Christ as a bride is presented to a bridegroom. And friend, that's the day we look forward to. Amen? Uh, and so I say all that to say, John chapter 16, the Lord Jesus is giving some prophecy about the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God when he says this uh, in verse 12, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come... He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. I mean, he's not just going to come up with his own message. He's going, to, he's going to speak what he's told. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it 
unto you. Verse 15, all things that the Father hath are mine. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. Now having read that, I just want to establish the legitimacy of the picture and type of this servant in Genesis 24 who's working to find a bride for Isaac as a picture of the Holy Spirit of God working to to bring a bride to Jesus Christ. And until you've been born again, you're not that bride. But I, I wish and hope today that through this message, we might be able to discern the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If you're already a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we might learn from Rebecca how to treat this servant who's sent on God's behalf to lead us to Christ, not only to faith in him, but literally into his very presence to present us to him someday. How do you know that the Holy Spirit of God is working right now to ready you to be presented to Jesus Christ? He's not, let me just say this, we put it in context, because of the the immense uh, redefinition of what church is about and redefinition of what God is about in our world, the Holy Spirit is not working today to present you to the world to be fashionable to an unbelieving world. He is preparing you to present you to Jesus Christ, spotless and blameless before Him. And so if you know that, You can understand his leadership in your life, and I can understand his leadership in my life a little better. So let's begin this morning by giving you an outline to consider out of these verses and some verses throughout the entire chapter. In verses 1 through 9, our focus in the message will be on the servant, but we want, as we said, to draw out the interaction relationship between he and Rebecca. And so we begin in verses 1 through 9 by understanding the purpose of the servant in this chapter. Of course, the purpose was to find a bride for Isaac. But the idea would be, where did he get that purpose? And this helps us to understand the way the Holy Spirit of God works in our life. One day, the eldest servant of Abraham walks up and says, hey, can I go find a wife for your son? No, that's not the way it worked. Abraham, a picture and a type of God the Father, says in verse 2, And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. That was a symbol of solemn trust, uh, of a vow to another man to to keep your word. We find Joseph doing that with Jacob at the end of his life. Verse 3, And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again? unto the land from whence thou camest. And uh, Abraham said unto him, Beware thou that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath, only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and sweared him concerning that matter. When we take this text of Scripture and compare it, for those of you who are at the fire, uh, the, the chili supper here, the fire hall, and compare it to what we saw there about the marriage supper of the Lamb, what was the one thing that kept guests from being able to attend the marriage supper when they were not willing to attend? The, 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 the pre ordained principle before the servant ever left. He says, now what should I do? Abraham says, servant, I want you to go find a wife for my son. Well, what if the woman's not willing to come? She's never seen him. I'm sure Abraham said, then take a picture on your cell phone and show her. No, not in those days. 
No, there was no way to make a connection in a literal time, uh, real time, meaning she's going to have to take this servant's word as the kind of guy that she's going to go marry without ever seeing him. And she is not going to be able to be drug from the land to Isaac. So then the question is, well, then should I bring Isaac to her? And Abraham says, no, she must come to him. You tracking with me? Jesus said, we'll we'll review this. We went over it yesterday in that message. But Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We know that Christ came to earth, but people had to be willing to come to him. John chapter 6, we read yesterday, and I'm going to read it again this morning, that all that the Father giveth me, Jesus said, shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And the point of that text was, God is not going to change who he is to establish relationship with us. That's what Abraham determined. We're not going to change who we are. We're not going back to where the wife is at. I'm not going to move Isaac to her. If she wants to marry Isaac, she's going to be willing to come to him where he's at. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. You say, how does this apply to us today? Those today who wish to change the character of Jesus Christ from how it is articulated in our Bible in order to create a Jesus that is more acceptable, it's not God's way. That's not the Holy Spirit of God doing that. When we create a Jesus who is more palatable, uh, how many of you ever heard somebody say something like this? I don't want to go to that church. That preacher is a hellfire and brimstone preacher. Anybody ever heard that? I've been accused. I've been accused. I'll, I'll accept that accusation. Now, I'll tell you what. When I read my Bible, I find Jesus is a hellfire and brimstone preacher. How I many you know in Mark chapter 9, he repeatedly says, Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. He warned of hell repeatedly. He told a, a story, an account of a man, a rich man who died and went to hell in Luke 16, warning of that horrible place. My point is this. There are those who won't preach that Jesus. And when we look at Genesis chapter 24, way back here we have a picture and a type of how God works to bring people unto His Son. And this servant, a type and a picture, and everything you can see lines up with the doctrine of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Uh, the, The question was, do we change in order to get a wife for your son? And Abraham says, no. She's going to have to be willing to leave where she is to come where he is. May I put it to you this way? The, the child of God has got to say, I will not be fully united with the Savior until I leave this life. Well, I was doing some reading yesterday. I got a, I got a spot of revival yesterday, and I'm excited about it. Philippians chapter 1, Paul says in Philippians 1.21, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You know what most people think dying is? I'm going to lose my family, I'm going to lose my friends, and they'll lose me. Well, it's lost for those who stay here. But you realize when the Christian dies, it's gain? Because we finally are going to Him. We're leaving here, and we're going to Him. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, for to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Can I help you with something this morning? Paul had absolutely zero doubt where he was going when he died. None. He says because he was such a fine apostle, had nothing to do with that. He said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able. 
to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. He was looking death right in the eyeball and saying, you know what, when I die, I am getting richer. To die is gain. He said to depart and be with Christ. Meaning, when I leave you folks, my spirit leaves my body, I am going to be with the one I love and I live for. And to stay is needful for you, but to depart is far better. What I'm saying is, when God deals with a man by the Holy Spirit, what he's saying is, I am inviting you not to bring Jesus back down. Not to make Jesus came down. He left heaven 2,000 years ago, lived a sinless life, died for our sins, raised from the dead. But man is not making Jesus a sinful man like himself. No, 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 no. We are called to him. We are called to his holiness. We are called to, to be wed to him. And if we want Christ, we can have Christ, but we must turn our back on the life we have and turn toward him. Amen? And that was the call. And my, my point is this, the purpose of this servant was to go get a woman who would be willing to leave her family, leave what was familiar, leave all that she knew to come marry a man she had never laid eyes on. How impossible is that? I caught a snippet of a piece of history news this week and I was listening to it and it had to do with, it's amazing, uh, how what you pick up on the radio and then how it relates later. It was about mail order brides back in whenever. I don't, I didn't catch the whole story. But the idea would be men who are wanting a wife, they would perhaps move out to the west and they would send back where there were more women they would want a wife, they would send an article and a, and a proposal with a picture, but often the, 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 the report went on to say they would send a picture of their friend, some good-looking buddy of theirs, and then the woman would come and be sorely disappointed. They would lie about their age or their income status. It's not an uncommon thing, because they wanted a good wife, and if the wife woman knew the truth, she would never come. So the idea of finding a woman getting her to come marry a man and not he's not going to come and meet you. you you're going to have to come and you're going to have to come upon my word. The purpose of this servant to find a bride for the wife, this is more important what I want to establish this morning. It was determined by Abraham's word. Abraham said, here are the guidelines. You've got to go find a woman. She cannot be from Canaan. Those are idolaters. I believe that's a picture of repentance from idolatry. You can't worship idols and God at the same time. She, she can't be from here. She's got to be back from the homeland. You've got to, have to go and get her. And that also tells us it would require faith on part of the woman. So it's established by the, word of, by the word of Abraham. That's a picture of the fact that the Holy Spirit, his ministry today is determined by the word of God. So when people say the Holy Spirit led me to, and then they articulate something that's contrary to the Bible, that's not so. The Holy Spirit of God, just like Abraham's servant, operated according to the word of Abraham. The Holy Spirit of God, that's what John 16, 13 through 15 was all about, operates always inside the confines of the word of the Father. He never operates on his own whim. He operates according to the word of God because he is God. He's consistent with his own mind. So the servant operated by what was determined by Abraham's word. His actions were directed by Abraham's word and were restricted by Abraham's word. There were certain places he wouldn't go and look for a wife. There were certain things he could not and would not do. So my point today is you want to understand the operation of the Holy Spirit, study the Bible. 
You know, the author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means God breathed. And one of the types of the Spirit of God in the Bible is is wind or breath. And so the author of this book is the Holy Spirit, and he always operates inside the confines of his own word. And he said, so what if she won't come? And Abraham said, then then no, 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 no deal. Uh, she has to be willing to come. So you know what the work of the Spirit is today? To work in the hearts of people to be willing to come to Jesus Christ, the Isaac. Remember who Isaac is? He's the only begotten son of Abraham. He is the only begotten son whose life was laid down on an altar, the father willing to sacrifice his son in order to do right, and the son willing to be sacrificed in order to please the father. We understand Isaac is a beautiful picture and type of Jesus Christ, and the Spirit of God is working today to get men willing to put their trust in Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the servant. He was going to go and convince a woman, I have a man that you need to meet that you can spend the rest of your days with. The Spirit of God is working to convince us, I know a man that you don't know, and I'm working to convince you that he is worthy of your unfettered trust. Would you trust him and let me bring you to him? That's his ministry today. Whether it is for salvation, May I say this? I believe the journey between Mesopotamia and Isaac is a picture of the life you and I as believers are living right now. Once Rebecca believed the servant, she still hadn't seen that man. But you know what she was living for? She was not living for another tent from her brother Laban. She was living for the day when she'd lay eyes on whom? Jesus Christ, church, can I help you this morning? If God will help me, as if he'll allow me to transfer to you what he's been doing in my heart, can we, can we as God's people realize that we are living for the day we lay eyes on our Savior? Not on a better world. Look, this world's not going to get better. We're not living for the day when the world is a better place. We're living for the day when we exit this world and our eyes open and we see him for the first time. The only way that can't stir your heart is if you're not sure it's true. You know, I loved about Philippians 1 yesterday and 2 Corinthians 5. I was trying to preach it. The Lord didn't allow me to preach it. He just preached it to me. It reminded me of the certainty, of the certainty, and I'm stirred about it today, the certainty that when I close my eyes in death, the first thing I'll see is Jesus Christ. That is not a think so, maybe so. It's an absolute so. I'll trade Him for this wretched old world any day. Amen? And when we close our eyes in death as a believer in Jesus Christ, we've not been lied to, friend. He is the King of kings, Lord of lords, as good a man as Isaac was. He can only be a type of Jesus Christ because Jesus is perfect. Ah, that's the hope we have today. Not the next election. Not the when COVID goes away and we get back to normal. Our hope is in eternity. That's where our hope is, and we must. You know what allows us to live a successful, meaningful life here? Not living for here. When you live for junk, you're always disappointed. When you live for what has true value, then you can use all the junk to prepare for that. (laughs) I hope that made some sense. So the first point we see in verses 1 through 9 is the purpose of the servant was determined by Abraham's word. It was directed by Abraham's word. It was restricted to Abraham's word. He would, the servant would not operate one iota outside of the instructions of Abraham. And the Spirit of God will not work in your life one heritage, I hate to use that term, outside of the Bible. 
You'll never find the Spirit of God working outside of the revealed Word of God in Scripture. Number two, the servant's proposal. He's going to propose marriage, but not to himself, but to Isaac. And so then, let's look at verses uh, 32 down through 50. We did not read that earlier. We read what happened at the well. The servant is concerned because he's only a type. He was a man, and he needs some direction. It's a literal account. It's a historical account of how this woman was chosen to be Isaac's wife. But this account, of course, gives us our picture. So he's concerned. He asks God, let the woman that you have chosen for my master's son... Not only give me water to drink, but water my camels also. That's a big request. Watering ten camels is not an easy job. And so uh, there's, you, I've heard men articulate how many gallons of water that probably was, and how many trips and how many hours. And we're not doing that this morning. All I'll say is this. He asked for God to do an impossible thing, and God did it. So once he meets this woman, he gets down to business to, uh, to speaking to what his mission is. Uh, let's back up a little bit and reread a few verses that, that we read earlier. The Bible says in verse 21, And the man wandering at her, speaking of Rebekah, held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass as the camels had done drinking that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels weight of gold and said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee. Remember, he has to stay inside his master's word. She's done what he prayed, but he has to make sure she lines up with the requirements. Is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahor. She said, Moreover unto him, We have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master, Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth, I being the way the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house these things, we'll keep reading, verse 29. Rebekah had a brother, and his name was Laban. Now, you read much about Laban, you won't like him for very long. And Laban ran out under the man, under the well, and it came to pass when he saw the earring and the bracelets upon his sister's hands, that's what caught his attention, and when he heard the words of Rebekah's sister, saying, Thus spake the man unto me, that he came unto the man, and behold, he stood by the camels at the well, and he said, Come in, thou blessed of the Lord, Wherefore standest thou without, for I have prepared the house and room for the camels. And the man came into the house, and he ungirded the camels, and gave straw and provender for the camels, and water to wash his feet, and the men's feet that were with him. And there was set meat before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have told mine errand. And he said, Speak on. So now we're going to get the proposal. And he said, I am Abraham's servant, and the Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold, and men servants and maid servants and camels and asses. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when he was, she was old. And unto him hath he given all that he hath. Remember what Jesus said in John 16, 15? That the Father had put everything in his hand. Verse 37. And my master made me swear, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife to my son of the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell. But thou shalt go into my father's house and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son. They're understanding what he means now. And I said unto my master, Peradventure, the woman will not follow me. And he said unto me, The Lord before whom I, will, I walk will send his angel with thee and prosper thy way. And thou shalt take a wife for my son of my kindred and of my father's house. Then shalt thou be clear from this my oath when thou comest to my kindred. And if they give not thee one, thou shalt be clear from my oath. And I came this day into the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if now thou do prosper my way which I go 
Behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin cometh forth to draw water, and I say to her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water of thy pitcher to drink. And she say to me, Both drink thou, and I will also draw for thy camels. Let the same be the woman whom the Lord hath appointed out for my master's son. And then he goes on to explain that that's exactly what Rebecca did. We won't keep reading at the moment. He tells how he bowed and worshipped his head. You know, he's trying to confirm what I am proposing is something that God has ordained. This is not merely a man trying to trick you. This is not me trying to kidnap your daughter, your sister, the Lord God of heaven, put it in the heart of my master Abraham to send me, and he articulates how God had answered his prayer and how God had intervened and moved. May I say this? What I want to see in this proposal is the openness of his proposal. God the Holy Spirit will never trick you. He'll never trick you into a relationship and then find out later, ah, I was taken. That's what it means. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. You'll never regret genuine faith in Jesus Christ that is wrought in you by the work of the Spirit of God through the Word of God. I know of nothing hindering people more. Uh, I, I say nothing. One of the great hindrances to people just giving wholeheartedly to Christ is fear. They don't believe the servant. We read this morning, uh, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The Lord Jesus said, If they've hated me, they'll hate you. I call that openness. But then the same Lord says, However, however, if, if, you, if you lose houses and lands and father and mother in this life for my sake, you'll receive a hundredfold more now and in the kingdom to come, meaning I will more than compensate you. Your trust in me will be more than worth whatever you had to give up for me. Same God made the same promises. So the, the, the proposal that's made, the servant is being completely open, completely transparent, convincing them, seeking to convince them of the legitimacy of his appeal. It's clear, I want to take Rebecca and give her to my master's son Isaac to be his wife. You know what he's saying though? I want you to know she will be well provided for. Yes, there will be a, a long and, and, and tedious journey between here and my master's son. But I've got ample means to protect her, to provide for her. As a token of that, he gave her gifts. Does that sound familiar? You know what the Holy Spirit of God has given to local churches? Gifts. You know what they are? They're mere tokens of the riches of Jesus Christ. The gifts of teaching, the gifts of prophecy, the gifts of mercy, the gifts of tongues that he gave in the New Testament were simply bracelets put onto the hand of the bride to say, that is just a taste of the riches of God. He gives long-suffering to us and ministers to us and bears fruit in our lives. The Holy Spirit of God is making sure they know, I am no deceiver. Remember, he is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit of God has never tricked anybody into trusting Jesus Christ. His proposal is open. My master has a son. He has put all things into the hands of the son. And the son wants you to be married to him. That's the, that's the proposal. And he articulates that what he is saying is the word of God. Today, we preach the gospel. One of the things that the Spirit of God requires of us who preach is to make sure we're giving the word of God and making sure that folks know this is not a clever scheme of men to try to... One of the things we fight the most when trying to witness to people at their homes and doors, you immediately sense, what do you want from me? Because you know what? False religion uses people. It uses people and discards them. But the Spirit of God doesn't want to use you and discard you. 
He wants to bring you into an eternal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, the Lord Jesus said that he's preparing for you a mansion in heaven. Isn't that what a bridegroom does for his bride? Preparing a mansion for her? He is preparing for the day when his bride, and that of course is figurative, but his bride is presented to him and then there, there we will live with him forever. You know what a bride who is in love with a man looks forward to? She doesn't look forward to her next day of work. She doesn't look forward to cleaning the floor. She is counting the days until she marries that man. Right? There are people dreading the day they meet Jesus and claiming to be saved. That doesn't seem appropriate, does it? All I'm saying this this morning is the proposal of the spirit of, of, of the servant, as it is with the Spirit of God, it was open, transparent. He didn't say, um, hey, Rebecca, I tell you what, Come out, we'll have a good time. I'll go take you out. We'll play a little round of croquet. And then while he's got her out, whew, now I'm going to steal her away and give her to my master's son against his will. No. Remember what the one prerequisite was? She has to be willing. You know what willingness requires? Openness, transparency. And so then the proposal is open. Number two, it gives a great opportunity to her. She is offered an opportunity... <laughs> If you know the kind of guy Laban is, you'd want to get out of the house as well. Laban was a shyster. That's why Jacob ended up living with him for a while. Birds of a feather flocked together. Uh, Laban always loved money. We find later he had gods of, of gold and silver images in his home that his daughter Rachel stole. He was a lover of money. Laban is a picture of the person that is only interested in the Spirit of God for the financial benefits he can get out of the relationship. Please don't miss that. Laban seemed very inviting to the servant, did he not? Washed his feet, fed his camels. But what did he notice? Bracelets. What did he notice? Ooh, this guy's rich. You know, some people know God is rich. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And they're only interested in the benefits, earthly benefits of knowing God. I noticed Laban didn't go back with the servant. He stayed where he was. But Rebecca, on the other hand, did. She has a great opportunity to be married to a man who was... Can you imagine? I just want to think about this. Maybe she says to, uh, after this proposal, we'll just use our imagination. We're not preaching this as doctrine. Just think for a moment. Maybe she says to the servant, what kind of a man is this guy, Isaac? How old? He says, he's this old. But let me tell you something about this man's character. When he was just a boy, his dad was told by the Lord God to go offer him as a burnt offering. (gasps) Are you serious? I bet he ran and hid. And the servant could say, oh, no. No, no, he willingly laid down on the altar in a, in a desire to worship God and obedient to his father. He was big enough to run away, but instead he allowed himself to be bound. Well, that should win somebody's heart now, shouldn't it? You know, the Spirit of God says to us, what kind of man is this you want me to put my trust in? What kind of man is this you want me to put on, come under protection of? What kind of man is this I'm supposed to live in eternity with? Well, there was a time when his father, to save the human race, said, son, you're going to need to lay your life down as a sacrifice. And the son could have avoided it, but instead he said, not my will, but thine be done. Isn't that what the Spirit of God says to you? I'm going to say this this morning. I want to say it with, with, with gentleness. But there is no legitimate excuse for not serving Jesus Christ with whole heart. Anything that keeps us from trusting him and serving him is either a lie of Satan or an excuse of our own heart because he's worthy. He is worthy of our trust. And you know what the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God is? 
to convince you and me that we should set our, our sights on an eternity with Him. Not on a better life now. On an eternity with Him. And so then the proposal the servant makes, it's open. He is very honest about what he came to do. He is very honest about how God worked with him. He wants to legitimately. How many have ever been tried illegitimately to be convinced of something? You ever had a shyster salesman try to get you to buy into a timeshare? Anybody ever? Anybody ever do that? You got a free, uh, you know, if you come to a timeshare, we'll give you a free steak dinner. Am I the only sucker that's ever done that? Now, I didn't buy the timeshare, so thankfully when I got the, you get the, you get the free dinner, whatever. But those guys are shysters. They will lie to you to get you to do what they want. The Holy Spirit of God will never lie to you. He'll never lie to you. What if Rebecca said something about this? So how long is the journey? Well, I did have to bring 10 camels worth of supplies. Now, that was part of that to show you that I'm sincere. But it's a camel ride. I cannot promise that the trip between here and when you meet Isaac will be a pleasant one. But I promise you when you meet him, you won't be disappointed. Are you with me this morning? The Lord never promised you a pleasant ride between here and heaven. But he promises that the glory that's revealed there will make the tribulation here seem like nothing. Romans chapter 8. And that's the promise, open promise of God in the proposal. There's openness. There was an opportunity. And we see that in the gold and the silver that was given. He is saying you have an opportunity to be married to a man that will well take care of you that's worthy of your trust, worthy of your love, worthy of your devotion, worthy of your submission. That's the opportunity Rebecca had. But notice the opposition. You see, opposition. I don't find the opposition here. Oh, there was. Let's look in verse 50. Let's back up just a little bit. He says in verse 48, this is the servant still speaking, and I bowed down my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, which had led me in the right way to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. And now, he says, I have put before you why I came and how God pointed out Rebekah as the one. He says, now, if ye will deal kindly, and what's the next word? Truly with my master. He doesn't say with me, but with my master. Tell me, and if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. I, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty straightforward statement. You know what he says? He said kindly and truly, meaning if you tell me no, you're not being true. You have seen how God has pointed out and you've seen my openness and my transparency and you've seen how Rebecca will be dealt with and so if you'll deal kindly and truly with me, let her go and be married to my master's son. What he is insinuating is if you won't let her go, you're neither kind nor true. Can we all agree on that? Basically what he said is, my master in good faith and in, and in good promise and in good provision and in love for this woman and love for his son has sent to fetch a wife and the only response that can be kind and true is to say yes. But if you're not going to say yes, just tell me. Say yay or nay. Look at their answer. Then Laban, verse 50, that's her brother, and Bethuel, the dad, answered and said... The thing proceedeth from the Lord. That's a profound statement, isn't it? We know that what you've said is of God. It's of the Lord, Jehovah God. We cannot speak unto thee, bad or good. They'd make good American Christians. We know that the Bible's from the Lord, and we can't agree with it or disagree with it. 
We know that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. We know that He is the only one that can cleanse sin. We know that to have eternity with Him, one must simply put their trust in Him, and we know that's what the Word of God says. Have you ever called on Him? No. Will you refuse to call on Him? No. I can't say good or bad. Either way. No question. If they knew this proceeded from the Lord, why couldn't they speak good of it? Indifference is often the greatest hindrance to the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Indifference. Jesus told a crowd of people, you're either for me or against me. It's one or the other. Why are we often indifferent? Because they wanted to hinder the process. You know, this is my opinion. I believe Laban saw riches in the servant and said, the longer I can keep him, the more I can get. You know why I think that? It's not just an opinion. I base that on the rest of the Bible. Jacob came and worked for him for a little while, and when Jacob was ready to go, Laban tricked him into being there longer and longer because the longer Jacob was with Laban, Laban got what? Richer and richer. And you see that in Laban right here. If we can hinder this servant's work, instead of fulfilling his objective, we'll use him to fulfill our objective. How many people have tried to take the Holy Spirit of God and use Him to fulfill their objective. And the number one sign of that is, well, we're not against what you're saying because it's from the Lord. But we're not for it either. You know what Jesus called that? Lukewarm. Lukewarm. I know of nothing when I'm preaching that the Spirit of God stirs my heart more about, whether in this church or any other, than this issue. Indifference. The many times, and this is what opposed the servant. You'll find this. The next day, the servant says, let me go. You'll read it right here. He says, let me go. And the mother and Laban say, ten days. Ten days. Let's read it, shall we? We can speak unto thee neither. We, we cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Verse 51. Behold, Rebekah's before thee. Take her and go and let her be thy master's son's wife as the Lord hath spoken. Say, oh, that's good. Let's read on. And it came to pass, verse 52, that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah. He gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. Laban was on to something. (laughs) Verse 54, and they did eat and drink, he and the men that were with him and tarried all night. And they rose up in the morning and he said, send me away unto my master. They had said, well, let her go. Had they not? The Lord, we're not, we can't speak good or bad, but it's of the Lord, so we're, who are we stand in God's way? Sure. Verse 55, and her brother and her mother said, let the damsel abide here with us a few days. At the least ten. After that she shall go. And he said to them, hinder me not. What's he say? How are they trying to hinder him? Were they hog-tying his camels? Delaying the process. Hinder me not, he says, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way Send me away that I may go to my master. Wait a minute. Is he not free to go? Yes, but not outside of the original word. What was the original word? She must be willing. And those who are in charge of her must be willing. Do you know what, you know what this servant is doing? He's working on their will. He's willing to go when? Now. They are willing to let her go mm, later. How many of you know Laban well enough, you Bible readers and students, 
to know that when ten days come up, guess what he would say again? How about maybe another ten days? Seven years, Jacob, maybe seven more. And then when Jacob said no more of this, Laban tricked him, stole his cattle, and made him stay. May I say this this morning, and I'm going to say it with clarity, the struggle between God and men is in the will. It's not here. It's right here. The Spirit of God says, I am willing to start you one step closer to Isaac now. And we say, how about tomorrow? How about the next day? How about I prepare for heaven when I'm 60? How about I prepare for heaven when I'm mm, 70? How about I prepare for heaven when I'm mm, 80? Uh Uh-oh, I'm running out of time. Labans who only want the blessings of God, but not the God of the blessings, are delayers of the work of God. The Bible warns us in Ephesians 4.30 not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And he warns us in 1 Thessalonians 5.19 not to quench the Spirit of God. Meaning when he's working to draw someone near Christ, don't get in his way. Don't ask him to delay. You know what the Holy Spirit of God represented in this serving of the sermon says? Hinder me not. You're asking me to delay is hindering me. I came not to fellowship with you. I did not come to have a party. I came to get a bride for my master's son. Now, friends, church, believer this morning, the Holy Spirit of God is working in your life to prepare you to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. He did not come to party with you on earth. He came to take you to Christ, both in spiritual fellowship and preparation, but you can't get there till the journey begins. There may be unbelievers this morning. The Spirit of God is working on your heart saying you need Christ. You need to believe the Spirit of God concerning Jesus Christ. Believe God that He truly is the Son of God. Believe God that He did fully pay for your sins. Believe God that Jesus Christ is God and entirely and wholly good and worthy of your entire trust. Believe Him. And some Laban crops up and says, fine, but not yet. Get serious about the Lord Jesus in ten days from now. In ten days, it'll be ten days more. And after ten days, it'll be ten days more. Young people, the Laban in you is called your flesh. Well, I'll get serious about living for Christ and preparing for the judgment seat when I'm a little older. You're getting your middle years and I'm so busy taking care of a family. i got news for you. The average professing Christian today is doing very little to prepare for the day we meet our Savior. We're doing much to prepare for 20 years from now on earth. We're doing much to prepare for five years from now here on earth. We're busy building up our accounts and we're busy building up our pleasure banks and we're busy building our lives for ourselves. And the Spirit of God says, I want your focus on Jesus, on the Christ of God. We say, I'm too busy focusing on things here. There's a conflict between the will of God and the will of man. And Laban represents that. The Spirit said, let's get you going toward Isaac. And Laban wanted to keep Rebekah near him with her heart on her place where she was. Isn't that the way the flesh is? The Spirit of God works to get our affection. Turn with me. Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Affection for Jesus Christ will break our ties with this world. I'll say that again. Affection for the Lord Jesus Christ will break our ties with this world. And that's the only thing that will break it. 
The only thing that caused Rebecca to say, I'm willing to leave the life I've had, was the prospect of, of seeing Isaac. Colossians chapter 3, the Bible says in verse 1, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then she also, shall you also appear with him in glory. You see, Laban realized if the servant was listened to, Rebecca's gone. Can I throw another theory in here? Who is going to water all those sheep if Rebecca's gone? All I can see in Laban is selfishness. You know why? He's a picture of our old nature. Just everything's about me. If she's gone, who water the sheep? If he's here, maybe I'll get more riches. As long as I can keep her, I'm going to tell you something, Christian. The world is doing everything it can to hold on to you today. And the Spirit of God is doing everything he can to convince you to let it go. The Bible says, Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, I believe it is, that by the cross, I will not glory save in the cross of Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. And so let's finish our message this morning. The purpose of the servant, get a bride according to Abraham's word, restricted by that word, directed by that word. The proposal was open. There was a great opportunity, but there was opposition in Laban and in the parents, a picture of the world's opposing our wholeheartedly giving our affection to Jesus Christ. Number three, the prospect. That, that I mean, Rebecca. She's the key in all of this. The, 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 the dad and the mom and the brother, they say, well... Let's look at what happens. Verse 56, the servant says unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away. I mean, be willing. <laughs> let, let her go. Send me away that I may go to my master. And you know what I believe I hear in this? I'm willing to go without her. I'm only willing to go with her if she's willing to go. Verse 57, and they said, We will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said three glorious words. I will go. And they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. Can I get very very pointed, but with kindness this morning. Bonnersbury Baptist Church, as your pastor this morning, there's a struggle in the soul of this church over whether or not we will go. The Spirit of God calls out an assembly, and He calls us out from where? The world. And the world is clawing at your heart saying, wait a little longer. Stay where you are. Don't draw closer to Christ. Don't start preparing for the judgment seat. Stay here, stay here, stay here. And the Spirit of God says, no, no hindrance, no delay. I won't take you against your will. You have to be willing. But I will force you to tell me whether you're willing. Are you willing to die to the world? Are we willing to say, I'm not going to live for the here and now. I'm not going to live for personal happiness in this life. I'm going to live for the one who died for me. I'm going to live for the day I meet him. Listen closely, young people, listen. I'm not going to live for what my companions think of me. I'm going to prepare for what he thinks of me. How many of you believe that the judgment seat is a reality? Are we living toward it today? That's the day when the camels arrive and we say, is this him? And the servant says, that's him. 
That's the day we live for. Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church, if we can get a hold of this, we'll have revival. If we'll say, I'm not living for what men think of me. I'm going to live what Christ thinks of me. I am not living for the next big thrill. I'm not living for my peers. I'm not living for the next pleasure. I am living toward the day when either I breathe my last and wake up in his presence, or he calls a trump and I'm in his presence. But I am going to live my entire life moving toward Jesus Christ, having my affection set on him. When you're married to somebody, you decide my affection's not on him, 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 her, 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 on that one. This morning, the Spirit of God is saying, will you come with me and be married to Jesus Christ? This church is espoused to one bridegroom. We have no, we have no loyalty to the world or to our wretched flesh, but we have loyalty to our Savior. And this is what I love about Rebecca. You know what I love about her? She says, I will go. We find her relationship to the servant was the only relationship here that was working correctly. When he showed up, she was sensitive to his presence. When he was at the well, she immediately interacts with him and is sensitive to what his needs are. Shouldn't we approach the Word of God that way? Shouldn't we be a sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God preparing us to meet our Isaac? When he was present, she was sensitive. It didn't take her any time at all to say, may I get you a drink of water? May I water your camels? Friend, this morning, the Spirit of God has introduced us to Jesus Christ and we should be more sensitive to Him than we are our neighbor. We should be more sensitive to what His desires are. What is the Holy Spirit of God through the Bible communicating to you? It doesn't matter what this preacher thinks of you. Throw that in the garbage can. What is the Spirit of God saying? What is that tug in your heart, the truth that He keeps bringing to your conscience again and again and again in order to say, will you be loyal to my Master's Son? Will you marry my Master's Son? Will you give Him your heart? Does Jesus Christ have your heart today? Number one, has He been welcomed into your heart? Number two, in your heart, are you preparing for the day you meet Him? That's the heart of this message. Rebecca says, yes, I will go. I will leave Laban. I will leave my mother. I will leave my daddy. I will leave my sheep and I'll leave it all for one person. Isaac. Here's the wonderful thing. What did he look like? She had no idea other than what the servant told her. How would he treat her? She had no idea other than what the servant told her. You know what she was operating on? Faith. She was willing to leave everything on the word of a servant she had met one day prior. She trusted the word of that servant implicitly. How do we know what Christ will look like? We have the word of the Spirit. How do we know how He'll treat us for all eternity? We have the word of the Spirit of God. And we can trust implicitly in everything He says. We ought to be living every day one step closer. I'm going to tell you... (laughs) God has lit a fire in my soul about meeting Jesus Christ, and I'm happy about it. We ought to live to say, that's the day. And may every day of our life be lived for this one thing, that day, when we finally meet Him, the Lamb of God who died for our sins, sent His servant to invite us to be His bride. Ah, friend, if that can get a hold of us, we'll leave that wretched Laban world behind. Who would want to live with Laban when you can go live with Isaac? And who would want to cooperate with this wicked world when we prepare to live with Christ? So the servant, the the prospect, the woman 
She's sensitive to his presence. She is secure in his promises and she is submitted to his proposal. It was his idea to marry her to Isaac. In fact, it wasn't his, it was Abraham's. She didn't come up with this. He comes and says, the word willing means to submit. And she says, I will go. I'll say it again. See, is the Spirit of God working with me today? Is he calling on you to set your affection on Jesus Christ? To once and for all say, I'm not going to live for the life here. I'm willing to lose it in order to prepare. Do you know what the next number of days was for Rebecca? Simply heading toward Isaac. That was it. Uh, that's, that could have been, a, as we mentioned, a difficult journey. But she is secure that what the servant told her was true. And therefore, because she was secure in his promises, she was submitted to his proposal. Don't miss this. If we're not submitted to the proposal of the Spirit of God that we give Jesus Christ preeminence in all things, you know why it is? We're not sure if he's told us the truth or not. We're not real sure if living a life... Because look, if you live for the day you meet the Savior, there's a lot of things you're not going to live for here. You're, you can't live with Laban and Isaac at the same time. You've got to leave him to go to him. With me? And we say, oh, if I do this and he's lying to me, I'm losing everything. The thing is, this servant went to great lengths to prove he wasn't lying. And to call him a liar at this point would be fraud. Same here. To question the word of this book at this point is fraudulent. God's gone to great lengths to prove to us it's him speaking, not man. And we ought to take him at his word. She was secure in his promises, therefore she submitted to his proposal. Finally, his prosperity is seen in verses 61 through 67. And Rebekah rose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man. That's what we're supposed to be doing. This I say, then walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. She's following the man, the servant. And so, excuse me, follow the man. And the servant took Rebekah and went his way. And Isaac came from the way of the well, Lahiroi, excuse me, for he dwelt in the south country. By the way, uh, Lahiroi means well of a living one. Uh, so it's the well of life, if you would. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide, and he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself, and the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Do you realize Isaac is the only patriarch that only married one woman? That's why he's a picture of Christ in the church. Only one. And they were married to each other until one of them, Isaac died, uh, Rebekah died first, then Isaac. My point is this this morning. The servant did exactly what he said he would do. It was exactly as he said it would be. He fulfilled the will of Abraham. He provided a wife for the son. And the situation he described to her was exactly as he said it would. As he said it would be. You know what? Christ is ever as wonderful as the Spirit of God describes him. And when you and I say, no more love for where I'm at, I'm willing to believe the Spirit of God concerning Jesus Christ and give him my absolute trust. You may say, I've already done that. And the question would be, are we on our journey between believing the Spirit of God about Christ and actually meeting Him in person 
And if we got distracted on the way, maybe here this morning you say, you know what? From my heart, I've never truly believed God concerning Jesus Christ. I've never truly believed that if I reject Him, I'll perish. Or maybe you say, I believed on who He is, but ah, you're at that point where you've already, as, the, as a Rebecca, you've said, I believe everything the servant says, but he's saying it's time to put some distance between you and where you've been living. You see, once Rebecca left this place, she never went back. It's the same picture we have when God brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt. He left it behind them. When God saved you, He didn't save you to continue in a life of lust and pride and deceit. That's the way of Laban. He saved you to prepare to meet Isaac. Amen? This morning, are we tending to the voice of the Spirit of God as He is working to set our affection on the only begotten Son to prepare us for the day we meet Him? Or are we still hanging on saying, well, how can I get Isaac to come to me? I want to keep mom and dad and Laban and my little flock of sheep. So maybe, no, God says the only way is you've got to be willing. And the only way you'll be willing is if you're trusting. And if we trust the Spirit of God, then we'll turn our back on other things in order to set our affection on the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm.